I'll start with Riverbend. I always go and I enjoy it. And this and I always preface like I'm not a Riverbend hater. I'm closer to it getting closer to a hater. The Coke stage is a freaking disaster. This stage is the worst stage in the country. You're getting bands that get up there and they don't understand why they're on this huge boat. You know, whatever you want to call it, barge. This big, huge thing. They look down. There's nobody there, especially for these early shows, uh, especially when you get this kind of heat. Blackberry Smoke, one of the best up-and-coming Southern rock bands, made two comments that were very much like, hey, we're up here on the roof. How y'all, y'all down there? Hey, is anybody, is this... Is this microphone on? I mean, it was it was visibly frustrating. You know, bands feed off of crowds, right? It, it electrifies the moment. Now, 38 Special doesn't because their crowd's sitting in a freaking lawn chair. Ario Speedwagon doesn't feed off a crowd because they don't have a crowd. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. For, for that being the worst production open that I have, there's something about me, something about it that I just like. Might stick with it for a little while. I threw it together on the fly in like five years. Five years ago, excuse me. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody. How the hell are you? Two weeks in a row, a day late this week, though. Coming to you today, officially on Thursday, the 27th. But of course, as you know, you can listen to this podcast whenever you would like. Generally speaking, an hour monologue. Not quite like anything else that's popular anyway, because that's not a very popular way to do a podcast. But that's how I do it. I do technically enjoy doing it, and I appreciate you finding it. The supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast, all social medias, uh, all searches that have Stone on Air, all one word, will get you to anything I've ever done that all lives on for the rest of my life, uh, just with a quick Google search. So if that is something you are interested in, finding past episodes, uh, videos from the old YouTube channel, whatever it might be, just search it out, Stone on Air, all one word. I don't have any excessive audio clips for you today. I don't have any articles to read. Um, I'm just going to talk for three segments until I get done talking. I'm just now finally coming around um, from the loss this past weekend in Nashville. I'll have a whole segment on that, so I won't spend a lot of time on that right now. Um, I will actually just right off the bat, I'll go ahead and uh, and lay it out here. So I'll have three pieces of audio for you coming up as pretty much has become traditionally what I do every week. Just something to have fun with. Um, the coolest thing, the worst idea and the oddest yet relatable thing is what I'm calling it. We'll get to that on the tail end of the open in the second segment of the show. I didn't spend any time on the Bonnaroo lineup when it came out. And that is very unlike me, very unlike me. Sometimes I'll devote an entire show to it. This year I didn't even mention it. And then the Riverbend lineup was announced the day after I posted last week's show. So I wasn't able to talk about that. And uh, several things came to mind after that Riverbend announcement. 
and a, and a few things I've been thinking of over the last year or so, or however long it's been, certainly, you know, pandemic times. So since 2000 on, man, I just, my mind and, and priorities just really, really shift. And uh, I'll, I'll do a full second segment on Riverbend, Bonnaroo, music festivals in general, and Forecastle, uh, just a mention uh, from Louisville, also has recently announced their lineup and just an anecdotal story from somebody I know and their child and what they found to be uh, the best of the lineups. And I'll do that in segment number two. So we are lined up, ready to go, knock them down. Uh, Just real quick, I'm just going to bullet point a few things here. Um, Ozark. Uh, if you're watching that show, I uh, that's the main reason I didn't record on Tuesday is because I, I just couldn't help it. I came home on uh, Sunday from Nashville and started the new season. Well, the first half of the last season, so part one of the fourth season. Seven episodes, knocked out two on uh, two or three on Sunday, two or three on Monday, and then I saved the mid-season finale for Tuesday. It is it's as good as it's been. If you've loved it before, you'll still love it now. The only thing about this show that I don't like is that it, uh, especially now as it's getting towards the end, it is nonstop chaos. Every scene, there's a new chaotic moment, and it's almost just like, all right, the, you know, I I'm suspending reality, and I'm glad that they're ending the season. You can't keep doing this stuff over and over and over again. But, but Breaking Bad did it perfectly, and they were guilty of this as well as speeding up the chaos at the end. And to where it's now like, okay, is is murder just legal in this town? Like, what's going on here? Um, because this is un- unlike Oliver Stone and Quentin Tarantino, which I was talking about last week, who set alternate realities and landscapes. that It looks like it's real life, but it's not. So you can suspend reality. There's no police. Like, the, the police is hot on the, the trail of the of the bad guy in a Tarantino movie. There, there are no police. Right. That's 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 how that works. That's what makes that so great. This is set up in real life. And so you you do have to suspend some reality. But, man, it is just scene after scene. Chaos, chaos, chaos. But what makes it great is it's not predictable. And that is the most important thing to me to keep me captivated is if I can't calculate what's coming up, you're doing a good job. And they're still continuing to be masterful at that. So if you are a fan, uh, do a huge catch-up. Spend 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour on YouTube doing recaps so you won't, you won't be confused and you'll fully understand all the dialogue and the characters because it has been quite some time since it, uh, it uh, uh, was last aired, season three. All right, what do I want to do? What order here? Uh, Breyer, I guess is his name, is stepping down. Uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice, he's 83 years old. Purely politically uh, posturing, we all know this. He is doing what RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, should have done. She should have retired about five or six years ago. And because she didn't, now for the rest of my life, the uh, the Supreme Court will be uh, a, a right-leaning conservative court. And um, so doing this ensures that it doesn't get even further uh, down the road, they, they, the arrogance of the Democrats sometimes blows me away. And and not having Ginsburg step down five, six years ago was uh, a, a poor move. I mean, who needs to be working that old, and especially with health problems? Go away. Jesus. If we if, if we have to make these lifelong appointments, can we at least say there's like an age limit? If you get into your 80s, you have to step down. Seems like that might be a pretty good idea. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, Bill Maher ticket sales uh, were terrible. He did not cancel the show at the Tivoli coming up this Sunday because of COVID. 
I knew that that wasn't why, um, but I did find out from an industry friend that, uh, yes, indeed, the ticket sales were bad, and they were across many states in the southeast. And who didn't know that? He's not exactly popular with any of the conservatives, and a lot of the liberals hate him now, too, as I spent a lot of time recently discussing. Uh, Interest rates look like they're going to be going up in the next month and a half, and somehow that's an inflation killer, I've been told. I believe it. I just have a hard time understanding some things when it comes to the macro side of the uh, the government and uh, the overall economy. And I actually have some pretty big decisions on money moving and borrowing and lending and paying back one hand to pay the other kind of things that I'm planning on doing in the future that I'm actually having a meeting on Friday with the old Let's Talk Money uh, Evergreen Evergreen Advisors. Uh, to guide me through, and seeing that headline was what sparked me to say, hey, it's time for our annual uh, powwow. Come on, let's go. Looking forward to finding out what I find out there. Real quick, here's I grab my phone before I get to these audio uh, clips. So on uh, Sunday, I guess it was, or whatever day, no, whatever day of the week it was, I got, I was watching TV, I was watching, um, I think it was Ozark, and I paused it for a minute to just look at my phone for some reason, and I have two text threads that I stay pretty active in, but I have the uh, alerts off because I don't want my phone buzzing every time that they go off. And I was in a little bit of a mood, and I'm going to just give you my responses, and this is going to cover the Hall of Fame and Neil Young. Just I'm going to read you my responses on the text. I was just feeling a little salty in the moment, and um, this is where I stand on both those two. Let's start with the... Um, the Hall of Fame. Somebody says, I'm in, I'd love to hear what Brian has to say about the Hall of Fame. Here's what I said. I'm still dead inside since last Saturday. My hot takes or opinions really at all on the Hall of Fame have diminished a lot over the years, and I certainly don't give a shit about it today. But since you asked, Andrew Jones gets about 15% of the vote. Harold Baines and Alan Trammell are in, yet Dale Murphy is not. The all-time hit king is not in, nor is the all-time home run leader. This shit doesn't make any sense. I'm guessing there will be a committee sanctioned by the Hall of Fame that will induct asterisk-type players in our lifetime. Or maybe not. I don't give a shit. So that's what I think about the Hall of Fame. And then on another one about uh, Neil Young and wanting his music pulled from Spotify because of whatever Joe Rogan was saying... Here's my thoughts on that real quick. I love Neil Young, and I don't have a care in the world whether he wants his music on Spotify and for whatever dumb fucking reason it is. This is completely on brand for him. He's been pushing back for 50 years regardless of whether the fight mattered or not. I think his music was already limited on Spotify, or at least once it was, because the atrocious royalties and rights compensation, which is an actual good fight to have. My friend Eric comes back, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just... The main point was, my problem is that he's trying to censor speech, something I thought mattered to lefties like him. That's his ultimate goal. The deplatform speech he doesn't agree with. Fight corporations, sure, but I don't respect people that operate in the free market of ideas, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I get all of that and don't disagree with any of it. He's like most politically loud celebrities and random dumb assholes. They move the goalpost as they smash pots and pans together. And so now you know what I feel about the Hall of Fame and Neil Young. And is that all I have on my list? 
It is. So let me hold on. Now I got to put my, I don't feel like hitting start, stop. I got to put my phone back where I can use it for the audio. I'm sorry. And here we go. All right. So where will we start? We will start with the coolest thing. And I apologize for the bad edit on this. I wasn't able to, I didn't have time to go back in and fix it. So there's about a second and a half of just mess on the front end of this. This is some dude on TikTok playing piano of all the NFL football uh, themes from the networks. You'll recognize them. And it's cooler to watch him play it, but it's also cool to listen to it. Today's coolest thing. Yeah, see right there. That's NBC, obviously. Of course, that's CBS. Today's the coolest thing, and I even I even screwed up the, the edit at the end of it. I don't know how I got so sloppy there. Um, this is something that has been popping up on my TikTok feed a lot recently, and I guess it's because the algorithms show that I uh, podcast. I'm sure I pay attention to broadcasting, and I like football. So, therefore, they give me an ad for an online class to become a sportscaster, quote-unquote, as, as they, uh, they call it. And it is the biggest load of nonsense. And uh, I'll talk more about it after I play it. It's pretty short. Here's today's worst idea. Hey, sports fans. Have you ever thought about being a sportscaster? You can get your sportscasting degree online and never leave your couch. Be courtside right next to the teams. Be in the press box. Hang around the fans. Hang around the players and the coaches. It's a lot of fun. And you can do that. Just click the link below. What an absolute load of garbage. And I don't mean that it's like totally fraudulent. I'm sure it's got something that gives it some kind of merit on the books, but it is totally fraudulent. You can't learn to be a sportscaster on freaking line. Stop it. And the way he words it, you'll hang out with the fans, you'll hang out with the players, you'll be in the press box. How many people who are really into sports and have always been fascinated about the uh, broadcasting angle from it would hear that and be like, oh, my God, I could do that, too? No, you can't do that, too. And you sure as hell can't do it on freaking line. This industry is all about repetition and years and years and years and years of practice. It has nothing to do with what you do or don't. Well, let me rephrase that. It has very little to uh, do with what you know and how educated you are. It's all about execution. And in any course, any broadcasting um, curriculum, if you will, 
one of the first examples is Bob Costas doesn't have a college degree. And he's been announcing, you know, all kinds of wide ranges of sports and one of the biggest names uh, in the industry for, I'd say, going on for like 40-ish years by now, right? And so um, you've got to... It's very technical skill. You can't learn it from your couch. That's so stupid. It's so misleading. And somebody's going to click on that and spend the money. And the quick anecdotal example I'll give to that is I took a class in Atlanta, which is close to fraudulent, but not quite because you actually did. And again, I hate to, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to use the word fraudulent. Just it's a misleading course. It's Atlanta Broadcast Institute. I, I went there in 2002 for the summer. It was almost three month class, about two and a half months. And if you don't know anything, you're walking into this, you don't have any idea, you just heard a commercial on the radio about being on the on, on the radio or on TV, come to this course, it only takes a couple of months. It costs $5,000, if I remember right. It might have been closer to $6,000. It's probably more like ten dollars or $12,000 now for two and a half months. And there were a lot of kids in the class. I was 22 years old. I had already, um, I'd already worked, or excuse me, not worked, but had a lot of experience in college radio, almost two full years of it, and had been taking classes in, in, at Chattanooga State. And I took this course, and it was invaluable to me. It gave me all the opportunity to sit around. Yeah, we had a couple hours of classes every day, but basically I sat in these studios. They weren't hooked up to anything. They were just dummy studios. And I learned how to use, at that time, industry standard stuff, which in most stations is still the same stuff they use now. The program I use to record now is the same one I learned on then, 20, uh, 20 years ago exactly this September is when I got out of the class. And it, I got a job as soon as I got done. Because I finally had all the, the real training that I needed. But if you were just a pie-in-the-sky type, if you were just somebody who wanted to try to maybe live a dream you didn't have any experience or knowledge in, you didn't get anything out of it. And half the class quit halfway through. I'm sure just ate the money. I'm sure somebody in their family just paid for it because, oh, hopefully Johnny will come through on this one. And there was only like three or four people that actually finished the class. I won like two or three awards, but most likely to exceed, to uh, succeed, I think I got I got something else. I wish I could find it was like throw them in a, in a frame. There were more awards than there were people in the class. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Worked for me, but sports casting degrees online ain't going to work for nobody. Sorry about all that terrible grammar and double negatives. All right, final one here. We'll wrap up this open segment. The oddest yet relatable thing. You might want to listen to this twice. It's silly, but for something something about it, I really liked. We'll call it the oddest yet relatable thing. What have I been up to? Well, I mean, I make it to poopy, make it to pee. Watch Sopranos on TV. I stay dehydrated, stay online, put things in my cart, but I never buy. I think about reading a book. Then I remember I don't read books. I feel distressed about my career. I stew in my regrets and fear. I consider working out, but I do not actually work out. I Google, why am I depressed? And Google says, cause you're a mess. Ignore phone calls from my friends. Start a project I'll never end. I ask, should I go back to school? And then I'm like, absolutely not. I wonder when I last saw the dentist. Look up random houses to find out what the rent is. Compare myself to everyone else. If they have what I want, I hate myself. I make it a poopy, make it a pee, watch the on TV, and sometimes I buy myself Chipotle. <laughs> I I think about the last time I went to the dentist. I look up random houses prices to see what the rent is. Um, there's so much in there that I think uh, we can all uh, identify with quite a bit. All right, that's all for that. We'll wrap up this segment now. Come back, talk about Bonnaroo festivals. Is the streak going to end anytime soon? 
And is Forecastle a dream lineup? I guess it just depends on who you ask. I'll cover it all next. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. And asking these questions. This, this is an absurd stage. It's, it's, it's an absurd festival all the way around. It's got a lot of cool music in a lot of different times. Shrink it down. Stop talking about how much money it doesn't cost. It only costs 45 Who? People aren't concerned with that as much as you think they are. People will pay for high-quality entertainment. We don't need to shut down the, the the city for nine days, ten days, however many days it is. What do you do exactly? I don't know. I'm not a festival planner. I'm not sure. It's not, it's not what I'm paid to do. But I am a festival attendee. That stage has got to go. This thing's got to change. We've got to get down to like a five-day festival, put some actual quality talent on these stages that, that people actually want to see. It's just not a practical layout for a festival anymore. It's a big VIP party where they invite you know, the surrounding counties and say, hey, hopefully, hopefully y'all have fun back there. You know, go buy some tokens. You know, make sure you go waste money on tokens. And even that's ridiculous. What is this, a carnival? I mean, what is this, a county fair? Go buy some tokens. Enough. Enough. I've had enough of it. It's just not practical, and this county fair mentality is is, is just dumb. KG Elephant on the Stone On Air podcast. Probably my favorite Cage song. I don't go real deep with this band, but I go deep enough. Deep enough to get through, you know, probably half the show. At least a third of the show. Meaning familiarity. And their show, man, they're, if, if they're at night, which they will be at Riverbend in June... They have some killer lighting. It is a it's a fun time. I saw them at Bonnaroo in 2017, only knowing a couple songs. You know, like there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees. You know that song. And I, I might not have known anything else. And I walked away saying, "Holy hell, that was awesome!" So uh, that's 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 good stuff. The open or the rejoin there was uh, just another portion of what you heard at the open of the entire show was me. I guess it would have been June of 2016, just before I was fired. Actually, no, that's actually that's absolutely right. Because before anybody knew why I was fired, because I was fired June 24th, Riverbend would have been about two weeks before that. And that was right after the festival had ended. And um, I was filling in uh, on uh, Talk Radio 102.3, and I remember somebody... Who worked there? Texted me, "Hey man, did they, is it because of your rant on Riverbend the other day?" <laughs> I was like, "No, no, it wasn't because of that. Um, I'm sure I didn't make anybody happy because of that." But uh, so yeah, they finally listened, and they were already going to do this anyway. And then they had to cancel again. The Coke stage is a long thing of the past. They, that that's it's dilapidated now. I think it hit a bridge out in uh, Sequatchie County somewhere. It's gone. It's a completely different line of, uh, or a uh, uh, configuration that we. Haven't been able to experience yet because they haven't had one. So if it's anything like it was going to be the canceled festival two years ago, right? I believe that's right. Yeah, the 2020 festival that everybody's fest got canceled that year. The It was going to be two main stages. I don't know about some of the side stuff, but there was going to be a, a smaller side stuff, but mainly two main stages, one under the old Jotty, basically where the secondary stage normally was anyway, and then... So that's facing the parking lot and like the side of the parking lot using the rectangular uh, 
what is that uh, uh, vertical uh, usage of the uh, of the of the lot, and then on the other end was going to have a stage on what would look like was probably going to be Chestnut Street, facing the uh, the green, right in front of the uh, the the old blue plate, the new taco joint, and it was just going to be rotating. One goes off, the other comes on, and they're so close you can go back and forth. I love the sound of it, as long as it's done well, which I. I had faith that it might be done well two years ago, year and a half ago. But when I found out that Chris Cobb was brought in out of Nashville, he's I don't know if he's from Chattanooga originally, but he worked here for years with Mike Dewar, um, kind of a, almost like a protege kind of thing, uh, uh, booking shows for Rhythm and Brews. He, Mike, Mike told me this story. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember all of it, but Chris is about my age, maybe exactly my age. And in the early 2000s, he came to Mike and said, hey, can I – you know, can we split some profits if I can bring you in acts, you know, just to get my feet wet? And he said, yeah, sure, absolutely. And so he started booking acts regularly for Mike. Well, Mike, that takes work off of his hands. Chris gets into the business of, of booking bands, works for everybody. Fast forward 15 years. You know, I was just told this story a few years ago. I didn't know what was going on then. Fast forward 15 years. He is one of the founders of Live on the Green in Nashville. If you don't know, look it up. If you know, you know. And he's the owner of the Exit Inn. He's the one who started the signal. He has since got out from underneath that financially. That has been sold to somebody I don't know who. But he's he he was the uh, the founder of the signal. And this guy has is the real deal in the southeast of of uh, of talent buying and uh, and and promotions and promoters. And so much so to the point that at some point in the last five plus years. Maybe you know, however long it is, somewhat recently, Live Nation to get him out of the Nashville market so they didn't have to fight with him for acts and dates and times. They offered to buy him out for plural millions of dollars. I don't know if it was one and a half million or two million or ten million, but it was over a million. It was plural millions of dollars, and he turned it down. Now. Maybe after you know pandemic days, he maybe he wishes he took that deal and didn't have this industry in his in his pocket anymore. My guess is he's probably so happy he's, he's still there. That's how successful this guy is. That's how well he operates that he can tell Live Nation to go pound sand. Oh, and along with those millions of dollars, I do technically know him. He would take my phone call if I called him. He'd come on this podcast if I asked him. I probably should do that at some point. Um, a very good guy to know and a very easily likable dude. So um, when I heard that he was going to be taking over the, the talent buying and a lot of the organization behind Riverbend, I should have known, oh, shit, man, this is going to be good. This is going to be good because Chris Cobb doesn't put his name behind anything that's not good. And um, But I still, I don't know, just the, the stench of Riverbend, the um, the – the reputation it had continued to build and get worse and worse every year. I still had a hard time believing. And this lineup is fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. I cannot wait. And I'll give you just something I almost don't want to admit. It's weird. I don't know why I don't want to admit it. I bought a ticket. I bought a wristband. I have never spent a dime on a Riverbend admission 
and almost not a dime on anything inside other than a few drinks here and there. I usually get, could work my way into getting that free too. That's how much I can't miss this. That's how much FOMO I have for this lineup. And it's only 15,000 capacity, which isn't much. I expect this to sell out. And my media status in this town is so up in the air, you know, from one month to the next. I don't know if I'll be working for anybody that would credential me in June. I probably will be. But I don't, you know, it's the, the two main backers, one of the two of the many sponsors are the evil empires of my life. Budweiser and, um, and Scumulus Radio, Cumulus Radio. Two people I've been talking bleep about my whole life. Two companies here locally that I've been trying to destroy, you know, one way or another. Um, not literally destroy, but you get my point. The, the two arch rivals of everything I exist for financially in this in this city are are the two of the biggest sponsors of the event. Hey, can I get a press credential? Hey, it's me, your buddy Brian. No, f you, Brian. <laughs> Hit the bricks. Go to hell. That's what I was afraid I was going to run into. I bet I'll make it work. I bet I'll get a, you know, I'll get some extra uh, admissions at some point, but it doesn't matter. I paid for my ticket. It's already paid for six months away or five months away. I can't miss this. KG Elephant, Jason Isbell, L. King. Fun fact that's Rob Schneider's uh, daughter. Government Mule. I haven't seen Mule in forever. Grace Potter. Always fun. I guarantee you, either Grace plays with Mule or Warren plays with Grace. Jenny Lewis, Moon Taxi, Tanya Tucker, Devin Gafillion. Stupid joke. He's out of East Nashville. I call him the East Nashvillian, Devin Gafillion. The Warren Treaty is as powerful as any show as you'll ever see. You could have never heard a single song. I still don't know their songs. I've seen them two or three times. I don't know their songs. I don't listen to them at any other time. Walk up to one of their shows and it's like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Can't explain it. You just got to do it. And then a bunch of stuff on here that I'm not familiar with that I'm sure is fine. Nico Moon, I've heard of. I don't know who they are. Uh, Aaron, I think is how you say it, Jones. Um, and then locally, Strong, uh, Lennox Hills, Rick Rushing, and the communicators are going to do the That 90s Show. And then a rage set, it says on the handbill, a rage set from Moon Taxi and Surprise Guests. I was like, what the hell does that mean? A rage set. Well, upon further asking around, it is a Rage Against the Machine tribute set with Moon Taxi and Surprise Guests. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than this. This is as good as the Southeast has of a festival right now. And maybe I'm just over the top because it hits hits me in the feels maybe more than it does the average person. 95 bucks for this? Are you kidding me? Three days? Ever think you'd hear me gushing and gloating and on and on about... Riverbend, well, it's happened. It's here. Um, so that's great. I cannot wait. I can't wait. Real quick on the whoever brought this up, I can't even remember now. I meant to print this off and I forgot all about it, and it just popped into my head. The recently somebody um, criticizing because of the lack of of diversity, the lack of um, I get primarily I got you know African American artist. People that are used to the, the county fair, people that are used to the carnival, people that are used to the $40 entry price, people are used to a funnel cake and LL Cool J and, um, and, and, and George Clinton 
and P Funk when he was when he's so washed up, and then when his grandson comes out and cusses, then they're all mad. These absolute fake outrage losers are at it. We're at it again for a minute. It doesn't look like anybody paid much attention to it or, or it really cares. One of those, just shut up already. And that's that. Uh, first of all, yeah, is it as diverse as anything I've ever seen? No. But do you think these people have any idea who Devin Gaffillion is? No, of course they don't. He's a black man. This Aaron Jones, I don't know who the hell he is, but I know he's a black man. Oh, I don't know. How about the War and Treaty? A uh, African-American uh, 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 husband and wife duo, uh, Iraq uh, veteran from, um, you know, from 20 years ago. Just give me a freaking break. Uh, oh, how about, I don't know, our local guy, Rick Rushing? You know, j j just shut up. Don't even give these, don't even give these people... And I shouldn't even be mentioning it all other than just to say, shut up. So after that came out, I got me really excited. And um, and I have a Bonnaroo ticket secured, uh, a GA. I always seem to have no issue with that. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to have my access that, I've, that I'm used to. I'm not sure because of two years of cancel, uh, cancellations. I'm not sure if I'm going to have even the access that I used to have the way that I want it. I'm beginning to feel like it might be about time to say I'm done with Bonnaroo, potentially. I'm going into this year thinking that this this could be the last year or at least the breaking of the streak. This will be my 19th Bonnaroo. It's almost like the Cal Ripken in baseball. After a while, you just, you just got to pick a time to just sit down and not go and break that streak. Not that you'll never go again. He didn't retire the day that his, you know, consecutive games played streak ended back in like what was that, nineteen ninety seven or something like that. And he didn't do it because he was hurt. He didn't do it because it was, you know, for any reason other than it's now time. And you know, if this lineup, if this was, if there was a year to do it, this might be the year because of of the uncertainty of the media credentials and things like that. But I just, it's been two years. I can't. I've been, I've been two years without Bonnaroo. I've been two years without my favorite thing in the world. And so I have to go, but I am going in thinking I might be done with this as an annual event. This lineup is, um, it just does nothing for me. I'm not saying it's bad. It does nothing for me. J. Cole, don't even know who he is. The Dixie Chick, I'm, I'm sorry, the Chicks. Um, if I was a Dixie Chick, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed they changed their name. I, they're second on the, on the poster line for a Friday Elenium, I know who they are. They're fine. Robert Plant and Allison Krauss, who cares? Lord Haran is fine. The War on Drugs are fabulous. Fabulous. I hope the War on Drugs are on the main stage in the evening. That would make my year. The, the what stage in the evening, War on Drugs on a Friday, would make my year. Um, I'm only going to do the top headlines of each day. Uh, Tool, you know, it is a bucket lister. I'll get that out of the way. I loved them when I was young. I don't care much about any of them now. Flume, I know what they are, don't care. 21 Savage, don't know what they are, don't care. Billy Strings is fine, but there's a million Billy Strings out there, but um, that'll be fun. Uh, Ludacris, who cares? Mount Joy, June the Lion, they're fine. Uh, just nothing that just gets me excited. Pigeons playing ping pong, they're fine. Uh, Stevie Nicks, don't care. I've seen her with uh, Fleetwood Mac, so it's, there's no there's no urgency there. Machine Gun Kelly, I don't know or care anything about. Nathaniel Rateliff will play a million times for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, Coin, they're fine. 
lettuce. They're fine. And then a bunch of other stuff I haven't heard of. So that doesn't mean it's not good. That just means it just doesn't hardly do anything for me. And so I was talking to, texting with a friend of mine, um, Tara V. You know, some of you will be very familiar with her. She used to run the signal, as a matter of fact. Um, we were texting randomly about festival lineups and potential, you know, like, hey, I always, you know, we coordinate every year. And her daughter is now, I believe she's freaking 14 years old now. She's a very, very, very mature for her age, her entire life. So I, I it's, I've always forget how old she actually is. She, she goes, she's a music head and she goes to all these festivals and has been with, you know, with Tara. And, um, and I, I asked her, I said, so what does, her name's Kai. I said, hey, what does Kai think about the Bonnaroo lineup? And she said uh, something to the effect of, yeah, a little, a little uh, disappointed, but uh, you know, still very excited because even you know, for all ages, Bonnaroo, it doesn't matter who's on the stage you, most of the time, especially in the setting that I've had for twenty years. It does the lineup doesn't matter at Bonnaroo. The lineup matters at every other festival. Shaking ease, the lineup matters. The Bonnaroo lineup doesn't matter uh, to me and most of the people I, I I go with. So she said. But no, her, her dream lineup is Forecastle. And I had seen the, 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 the announcement within the last week or two of her saying that and just nothing. I looked at it and I was like, I don't recognize hardly any of that. But I moved along. I pulled this up just to double check. This is where I know where the youth, youth music and movement is going to on its way to totally taking me out. This is Forecastle that's generally speaking geared towards people like me or maybe 10 years younger than me. I've heard of almost none of these. Jack Harlow, Porter Robinson, Claro, Still Woozy. Who the hell is that? That's some Friday headliners. Saturday is Tame Impala. Okay. The Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe Br- Br- Bridgers. What the hell is that? Glack, Gwen, XCI, Lane 8, Chelsea Cutler. Those are all the big, bold names on the top of Saturday. Sunday, Tyler the Creator. I know who he is. Rufus Del Sol, I, I, I guess. Black Pumas are good. Allison Wonderland. Oliver Tree. And then it's going to poke, pluck out a few over the course on the on the undercard. Troy Boy. Paris, Texas. Uh, Glaive. Fletcher. Maxo Cream. Dr. Fresh. Indigo De Souza. Duckworth. The Homies. What the hell is this? <laughs> so, I don't know what that says. More about me or more about them or more about who. I don't, I don't think it says anything very definitive um, other than I'm old, man. I am finally, finally getting old. And I have aged 10 years in the last two. And uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's all, all good. So will, the, will, the, will this be my last Bonnaroo where I keep a, the streak intact? I don't know. But I will be going into it with that, uh, with that being a very real possibility. Now, if I go and have a big, big time and it all works out and I get what I want and things are better than I'm expecting with the reconfiguration of the backstage areas and, and, I, and I'm happy with all that, then well, then I'll, of course I'll go again. But I might walk away being disappointed. I'm not sure. I, and I am going to be open-minded about it because it is, after all, it's my Bonnaroo. It's my baby. I've been there forever, and I, 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 it hurts my heart to think that I wouldn't go. But got to grow up one of these days, man. All right. So uh, more anecdotal, just story time of uh, of this past weekend. 
in Nashville. And uh, I'll wrap all that up in a bow and wrap up the show coming up next. Excited, Stephen A. Smith, right before halftime, or halftime, overtime of the Chiefs Bills game. Game I did not watch. This is, uh, I, I forgot to put this here. I don't remember who sings this song, I don't remember the name of it, but I asked a friend of mine to give me some suggestions for podcast listening for my drive to Nashville and back. And there's this show that's just wildly popular called Reply All. And it's not exactly my, you know, my speed, but it's 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 pretty good. And this was an episode about uh, somebody who was trying to find a song that he remembered from the 90s. One hit wonder kind of thing, and he couldn't find it. And how can you not find a song that made it to radio play, you know, 22, 25 years later in the world of Google that we live in? And they do this whole elaborate thing, this podcast of trying to figure this out with record executives and and studio musicians to try to recreate the song. It's difficult to explain. I don't remember what angle I was going to, I was even going to talk about it other than I wanted to find the song and play it. So reply all, it's a couple years old of this episode. And there was another one, the Snapchat thief. Both, yeah. See, podcasting is so weird to do it its traditional style. So much work and effort and um, and, and and a team that you need to uh, to make a lot of layered uh, production. And both of the episodes I listened to, there one on the way up and one on the way back, it, I, f- I felt like they were they were made up, like they weren't real, and. Um, I know this is vague as hell to make as a, a, a subject matter, so I'll, I'll stop. But of course, this whole this whole segment's not going to appeal to a whole lot of people. But um, Reply All is the name of the podcast. Episodes are less than an hour long, which I'm always a big fan of. I and I say that, and I go an hour. I try to go 45 minutes, but I almost always end up being an hour. Um, but uh, so there you go, Reply All. Um, yeah, I'm just now starting to. Uh, 
come out of my dead inside feeling I've had since Saturday. Uh, if you know, you know, we lost the Bengals, played a atrocious game uh, offensively, primarily from Tannenhill, the quarterback, borderline historic defense. I think it tied the record for sacks. Nine. From a team last year that didn't get nine sacks in half the season. Literally. Got nine sacks in one game. And if you remember, which you probably don't, but if you do, you do, there was two plays called back. It was definitely loud in there. I think it was so loud they couldn't hear a whistle, but maybe it was. Two plays that that played their entirety out but were dead ball whistle uh, plays that were called back. Why they were allowed to continue, I guess I couldn't hear. One was a delay of game on the Bengals, so that sack didn't count. And one was a timeout by the Bengals before the snap, and that sack didn't count. So technically, Titans defenders put the quarterback, Burroughs, or is it Burrow, whatever the hell his name is, on the ground, 11 freaking times. And that was negated by Tannehill putting the ball in the other team's hands three times. Two in the most crushing of times. One we're about to score and one that lost ultimately lost the game. And when it comes to Tannehill, I, I, I'm not going to do a major breakdown of the team here, but I'm, a, I'm an apologist. I am an apologist. Ryan Tannehill is an elite athlete. He is an elite athlete. I guarantee you he played shortstop in baseball. He drains threes for his, his basketball team. Got to be a scratch golfer. Guarantee you the guy will whip your ass up and down a golf course. If he wanted to play soccer, he'd be whatever the best player on a soccer team is. Unfortunately, I know this because he throws interceptions too much. He is often the tackler of the person he throws the interception to, and he doesn't just kind of trip him up. He takes him to the ground. He played wide receiver in college before he was quarterback. I'm sure he was a pitcher if he wasn't playing shortstop. Overall, the guy's got, from what I can tell just from following him on Twitter, his worldview, I believe, is on the right side. It's coming from the, the best place. I love the man. I really, really like him. And so I apologize and apologize and apologize for the guy. And and it's and now I get it more because of just this crushing loss. But even like last year, it just continued banging on the guy. And what do you want? He's not great. He's an elite athlete. He's not a great quarterback. But how many quarterbacks are great? Very, very few. And many teams are able to win with a less than great quarterback. You hear the good is the enemy of great. Well, I'm sorry, perfection is the enemy of great also. We're not going to get perfect. I don't want to be just good at the quarterback position for sure. Great sometimes just can't be can't be achieved. So I, you know, it, it's what is it the uh, something I I think on my bosses or one of my old bosses desks or on on his outside of his uh, office door was uh, don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions. Like, I know what the problem is, dude. Tannehill's not playing well sometimes. He, sometimes he loses his mind and throws three picks. And sometimes he's offensive player of the week like he was to finish the season. 
and had three games in a row without an interception and winning the big the games we needed to win to get the number one seed. Twelve win teams don't have a bad quarterback. They just don't. Now they don't necessarily have a great quarterback. So don't come with me with the, to me with the problem. I know what the problem is. Come to me with a solution. And trading for Aaron Rodgers is like the only solution anybody's got. Well, that's fun. Fantasy football's ruined a lot of uh, dullards' minds. It's not as simple as just trading for Aaron Rodgers. Now, if they were to make it happen, I would applaud it and I would go along with it. Just know you're mortgaging your future, and in five years from now, you'll be in last place. You'll be the worst team in the league. If that's, if that's the strategy you want to take, I'm not saying it's a strategy you shouldn't try. This, the window is here. The time to win is now. We all agree on that. Win now. We have the pieces. Next year, we're going to be just as good as this year. Maybe we could be better. This is the window. Take it. And if it is mortgage in the future, I'll go along with that. But I need somebody to come with me with a realistic, real solution. Not fantasy football. Real-life football. He's a $38 million cap hit next year. If they were to cut him, which they're not going to, that's a $58 million cap hit. So you're pretty much stuck with him. Ryan Tannehill will be the quarterback of the team next year, and I'm fine with that. But I need to know what a realistic solution is, not just bitching and moaning and harping on the problem. I know what the problem is. But in that second half of that game, I was sitting there, and I was, you know, Tom Hanks in uh, League of Their Own, one of my favorite favorite movies of all time. I really, I, I saw it in the theater. I tear up when I watch that movie. I think I did a, a, a show on it uh, recently. I literally cry when I watch A League of Their Own. I, I can't explain to you why. But point for bringing it up is, at the end, they're playing in game seven, the Peaches and the Racine Bells, and Stillwell Angel is going, you're going to lose, and he picks up a glove, Tom Hanks, and he throws it and hits a kid in the head. And he falls over. And he looks in that classic Tom Hanks way. We're going to win. We're going to win. And that's exactly what I was feeling in the early fourth, late third, early to mid fourth. I was, I mean, we were, we were, I was losing it. I've never been in a uh, playoff situation like that in a lot. It was electric in that stadium. The cold bothered nobody. God, what a glorious day. Everything went so well until it didn't. And I was, I mean, I'm hugging people. We're hugging. We're dancing in the in the aisles when we they scored the touchdown right in our end zone, in our corner end zone, right in our face. I mean, we are I'm literally hugging and jumping up and dancing with people. And we're gonna win. And uh, and we did. And then I spent the rest of the evening sitting around, you know, my brothers woke up the next day, laid around in my jammies for a couple hours, hanging out with him and his kid, and then headed back around two or three o'clock, listened to that podcast that I was just talking about, and got home and I I, I, I told my brother, I mean, I, I can't watch any more football. I'm done. I do this with the Braves all the time. When they get knocked out of the playoffs, I quit watching baseball. Season's over. I don't watch the World Series. When I was young, I watched every single game ever played, even as early as like, you know, 10 years ago. But these days, especially, you know, in a crushing situation like that, I can't do it. And and it's different with NFL and Titans because the Titans don't normally have a real look at it. 
So when they lose, yeah, well, I'll still watch the games because I wasn't expecting anything. I had Super Bowl dreams this year. I had absolute Super Bowl dreams, and they were not outlandish dreams at all. We'll never get a better look at it. And I have the tickets. I have the receipts to show. I've paid for all the tickets. Uh, this I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a huge story guy. I, I I'm assuming you are too, or you wouldn't be listening to this. I, a good story goes a long way with me. Anything that brings a story along with it, and this Titans team would have been the ultimate story. That's what made the um, the Braves just out of nowhere championship so impossibly awesome was that the story was so incredible. Yeah, you're the best team in the league. You won 105 games, and then you won the World Series. That, that's a great accomplishment, and that's awesome. And I would take it any minute of the day. But that's not a great story. That's just a great feat. That's just a great accomplishment. And what the, if the Titans could have done this with Derek coming back and being out for you know however many weeks it was since November 1st, and then come back and play as soon as and we everything fall in play. My God, I would be talking about this the rest of my life. I'll still be talking about it probably for the rest of my life. And so I didn't see any more football that weekend. What is many of people saying? Of course, it's it's a fake celebration of greatest weekend of NFL football ever. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, nor do I care. But I didn't see any of it. I didn't see the next two games. The next day I got home, my brother's like, hey, are you watching this Tampa Bay? And I said, just one word answer, no. (laughs) No. No, of course not. I'm watching Shark Tank or Law & Order SVU. And then eventually started the fourth season of Ozark. And I won't watch AFC-NFC Championship game this weekend either. Because I'm supposed to be at the AFC Championship game this Sunday at at 2 o'clock Central. Again, I have the receipt that says, here's your receipt for your AFC Championship ticket. Now, of course, I will be reimbursed. So I, it's 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 kind of like politics for me when it's getting it's when it gets to a point where it's just I can't take it anymore. I can't take this nonsense anymore. I'm so mad. Click. Turn it off. Turn it off and be done with it. So that's it. Um, I guess we'll put the wraps on the show there. That will put us under an hour. But it, it is. It, it, I've been dead inside all week. And now that I'm talking about it, I've gone right back there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've gone right back there to that dead inside. I, I don't think I'll be over it until after the Super Bowl, I guess. I'll, I'll watch the Super Bowl only because I'm a big Super Bowl party guy. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite days of the year. I've got about five days of the calendar year that are always my favorite. Super Bowl Sunday is one of them. And uh, I just can't even imagine what it would be like. If, I, if my team was in the Super Bowl, if the Titans made it, I don't know what I would do. I was even, I've even thought about that. Like, this might be the year I get to figure that out. I can't go to the Super Bowl party. And again, you see the Doritos commercial? Shut up! <laughs> I, I, I would have to watch it in complete isolation, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't know. I won't know. Uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe not next year. Also. That's it. Love you. Appreciate it. Um, I'll try to keep them every week. Uh, that's all. See you later.